One of the hallmarks of someone who has maturity in their walk with the Lord is perseverance and confidence that God is always working for good, no matter what it looks like. Every artist knows what it is to have doubts, to be discouraged, frustrated, to feel inadequate in what they're called to do. It's the man or the woman that stays the course that overcomes, both in their faith and their work. That brings a confidence that there has been both plan and purpose to all that they've lived through with the Lord. My guest today knows the power of the understanding these truths in every believer's life. Howdy, disciples, and welcome to the Creator's Calling Podcast. My name is Kurt Madsen, and I'm the host of the show, and I have as my guest on this episode one of the most accomplished artists in Western art, C. Michael Dudash. Now, Michael's career spans many decades, and he has worked both in secular as well as Christian environments. He's a member of the Cowboy Artists of America, and you know, while we're talking, you'll hear us refer to the CA. That's what that means. He has a depth of material in the Lord that is inspiring and filled with wisdom. And I know you're going to enjoy every moment of your time listening to all that Michael shares. Michael Dudash, welcome to the Creator's Calling podcast. Hey, Kurt. Uh, pleasure to be with you, and I appreciate the uh... And very, the fact that you asked me to do it and very flattered, I guess, as well. Yes. Well, I am. I'm so excited. You know, I'll tell you a little story. This was back in, I mean, back when they actually had Christian bookstores. And I can remember walking into, we were, we were living up in Prescott in that, at that time. Mm-hmm. And we walked into one of the bookstores there. And uh, there is your art hanging on the walls, you know, some of the, the, the posters and the framed art that they would have yep. in there. Mm-hmm. Just, and I thought, and it was so wonderful. It was like, oh, good grief. And then go, you know, a few years ahead, yeah. and we're down in, down in Tucson, and we're at the Settlers West show. Okay. And I'll never forget, because we had seen a couple of your paintings at Legacy Gallery. I mean, this was a long time ago, uh, mm-hmm. and they were kind of portraits, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Sure, yeah. It, and it was like you were just starting to make that transition, I think. I, and I don't remember the year. But what was so wild is I can remember walking into Settlers and going into that back room there. We were down there for the Mountain Oyster Club show. And, you know, we always go to that show, to their big weekend show there. Yeah. And there you stand. And I thought, oh, good grief. It's Michael Dude. I can't believe Michael Dudash is here. And we got to go over and visit. I was so nervous, you know. It's like, oh, golly. And it was just such a joy to meet you then. And then to watch everything that's taken place since then uh, with your career and what the Lord has done. It's so exciting. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm, try- I'm trying to remember uh, our initial meeting at Settlers West. I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you what year it is. Um, I actually more remember really seeing you at, at the Idle Jorg, you know, several years later is where we really had a chance to, to, to say hi and visit a little bit more. Uh but I, I got out of illustration uh, 2001, uh, oh, yeah. maybe 2002, and I did a bunch of different things for a couple of years in terms of subject. And um, um, so probably I'm going to say around 2005 um, is when I really 
said, okay, I'm going to start really doing uh, historical Old West uh, paintings. And uh, probably within a year or two of that, uh, I met Stuart Johnson from Settlers West at the Autry show. And he walked up to me and invited me to be a part of, uh, you know, a couple of the shows at his gallery. So I'm guessing that was probably, you know, 2006, 7, 8, somewhere in there is where we maybe initially uh, met, met at the Settlers. Um, and uh, but the fact that you you were excited to see me, I, I, I really can't comprehend. that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big deal. Wendy and I were like, oh, golly, you know, because we had we had, you know, a couple of your posters that we would keep. And at church, too, we always had your there was work down there as well. And yeah. so it's like it was just it was so exciting. It was really cool. So that was kind of a cool little memory. And then, we, like you say, later when we at the uh, quest, uh, getting to really get to know you and visit with you guys a little bit. It's just it's just great. It, it's just fantastic well I, yeah well let me let me add one more thing to that i mean i started doing that uh through a, a friend of mine ron d Ciani, back and i'm gonna around 1990 maybe and he was an illustrator and um, i started doing those those prints were done with day spring uh, out of Salome springs arkansas and it was a great opportunity to find me i've been praying for a long time the lord would find a way for me to use my art uh, um, I was doing all the secular normal illustrations, but mm -hmm. found a way to use my art uh, for the kingdom. And so Ron had called me out of the blue and I started doing that. <clears throat> and there were several of us who uh, participated in, in uh, that whole uh, sort of uh, part of the part of the uh, the business in Christian bookstores. It was Thomas Blackshear. It was um, Morgan Weisling, um, myself. Uh, who else am I forgetting? A guy named Chris Hopkins, who's a fabulous illustrator. Um, uh, anyway, there, there were, there were probably a couple more guys. I can't think of, think of off the top of my head. And, uh, and we were all sort of doing that. Oh, Greg Beecham did a little of it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And some of these guys, you know, we were all, we were all Christians <clears throat> coming from different places and we all got to be friends. And, um, so it's interesting over the years how our careers and our and our friendships have intertwined and wound around through uh, uh, through the art industry that we're all a part of. Um, it, it it really is very fascinating to me uh, how all that has worked. But uh, that's really that was sort of the background on that. And of course, when Christian bookstores uh, sort of um, dissipated in a way, uh, they were all bought up by you know, big mega corps for a while, and and Christian uh, that kind of publishing. Uh, is, is really almost vanished in a way uh it, it's which is a crying shame actually but uh uh so here we are today many years later of course the whole publishing and, and art world has has changed dramatically uh like so many other industries um and maybe we'll end up talking a little bit more about that as we uh, have our conversation today yeah, it, it, yeah <laughs> that's something i'm real interested in getting into because you have such a scope of different things and just how the Lord's worked in all of this. I read, you know, cause I can remember Blackshear as well. Cause he is also one of those guys that was just a big hero and yeah. you see his work and he's the guy, he's just phenomenal, you know? And I love seeing that people who really love the Lord, they're out with the Lord. And I'll tell you, one of the things that was also really exciting to me, Michael, is when I look at your website and right there on the front, you've got that wonderful statement about your faith and about art and the whole it's it's really encouraging you know right there uh to, to have that so boldly proclaimed i just love that yeah well uh, it, that's an interesting story as well i mean i know um looking at these 
these these questions you sort of threw at me and not that we have to follow them but but really let's go back to the point where um you know when i met the lord which was in 1978 yeah yeah i mean i've been raised in i grew up in minnesota my 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 father had been Catholic and my mother was uh, Presbyterian. And when, so they started a family, they decided they're going to go to the Episcopal church, which is theologically kind of in the middle. And, uh, a little bit. and so I was raised in that, but you know, I had a stomach ache every Sunday by the time I was 12. So I didn't have to go to church, you know? Um, and, but I went on a real search for a long time and I was 26 early when I got saved. It was right after I got married and my wife had met the Lord up, up just prior to that. Uh, and she was from Vermont. And uh, it's a long story. I mean, uh, I, I won't get into all the boring details. But um, so I really started my my real journey, you know, as as, uh, as a real Christian or a true Christian or, or a uh, committed Christian uh, uh, back in 1978. So I also started that was the year I started um, freelancing. As, as an illustrator, we moved back to Vermont from where we were, and I got an agent in New York City, and my illustration career took right off. And uh, I was learning my, you know, uh, how to walk in this new new relationship with the Lord during all those years. And it was interesting to see how one step at a time, as I learned more about the Word of God and what was really going on in my own heart and mind after I was born again, mm-hmm. you know, to see how that all related to my career expanding. So. I think it was early on. It was probably a couple of years after I started freelancing. The Lord put it in my heart to put a little cross after my name when I signed all my work. And um, and I didn't really think a whole lot about it. It was just, well, that you know, that makes sense to me. And gee, um, I, uh, you know, I've, it was probably the scripture that, you know, he who uh, you know proclaims me before men, I will mm-hmm. proclaim me before the father, that kind of thing. So uh, there were a couple of instances over the many years when I was illustrating out of New York where um, – uh, publishers or people would would call me on that and ask me to remove it, and I would say no. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they were they're going to publish my illustration, you know, on the cover of a TV Guide magazine or in Sports Illustrated or wherever it was, you know, as the world became more and more secular uh, in, in a cultural uh, way, that uh, uh, it was very interesting to see how people would react. And and but conversely, on the other side, I would get. Um, a, a lot of, um, oh, I, I, I'd meet people or I'd get letters occasionally and people would say how much they noticed that and how encouraging it was to them even way back then when uh, here was somebody who um, achieved a certain amount of notoriety in that in that business and that, that uh, publishing world that, um, hey, you know, they were a believer. And, yes. And I think that, um, uh, you know, it was one of those things that, it, that goes back to God again, putting it on my heart because I had no idea what that was going to mean. A small, simple thing like that. And, um, and, uh, it's interesting in the Western art market. I, I, I never hear a word about it. It's as you well know, there are so many more believers in the Western art market. It doesn't seem to be uh, any, even a topic of discussion, but in the secular New York city, LA, uh, Chicago, you know, international publishing world, uh, I'm sure it annoyed a few more than a few people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, here's this is what strikes me, Michael, about what you just said, because I've heard other artists and they're you know, believers and they will counsel other people. Well, don't don't be don't do things like that, because it will. It's you know, if you only want to sell the Christians, well, then that's what you do kind of a thing. And your stance in a secular world 
to say this is where I stand is so encouraging. And it, I, it just, it really just, it gets me real excited about uh, that being that bold and about that fearless uh, about who you, you know, about walking with Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, I've, honestly, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into this, this whole subject over the many years of my, my career, which is 44 years now. And I think that, um, uh, I just find that part about it interesting sort of in myself because, um, I, I didn't think it was all that big of a deal, but apparently it, it, it is kind of, and it's sort of like, uh, you know, you look at Hollywood, you hear about actors or actresses that, that stand up and are, are conservative and, and, and talk about their faith. And a lot mm-hmm. of them are absolutely blackballed. I mean, they're just run out of town, you know? And, yeah. um, fortunately, um, it, I've never really seriously run into that. Like I said, other than a couple of times when publishers would, would comment and say, ask me to remove it. Mm-hmm. This, this is even pre computer where they were, they were going to have to, you know, airbrush it out or, or mechanically fix it when they, when they printed the illustrations. And, oh, yeah. um, and, and, uh, I remember I did the, uh, one example is the Clint Eastwood poster I did for Pale Rider, and and see, look, under, it's very small, but um, there's my name, a little cross after it, and and the interesting thing is they almost never allowed an illustrator's signature on a poster in in that industry. I mean, it was just something they got rid of immediately. Uh, illustrators were not really allowed to do that, and I didn't think twice about it. I was too young and naive to know better, and they never got rid of it. So I always thought. Occasionally, things like that uh, make me wonder, I, I, I guess, a little bit uh, um, what that's all about. But all I can say to people is, is uh, don't be don't be afraid of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think in certain places, particularly today, you make a stand for God um, uh, in, in the in the marketplace. Um, yeah, you got to know what to expect. Um, and don't be surprised if uh, you get a lot of blowback on something yeah. like that. Um and uh, but I think I've just reached a place in my career fairly early on where I was in demand doing good work and um, glory to God for all of that. But I think <laughs> that that, um, uh, y- you know, they were a- able to overlook it. I, you know, I think if my work had been really marginal or, or uh, y- you know, or not that good at all, maybe it would have actually had more of an impact. Um, so what I've, I've counseled a lot of young people, and I've, I've done a lot of workshops and we've talked about this a lot over the years is I say, um, uh, you know, put your best foot forward, do the very best work you can, not only to be successful, but to actually, in a sense, glorify God, because, uh, you know, what is it about Christian art for many, many decades? Uh, it, it was always, well, not the greatest, you know, there were a mm-hmm. few highlights here and there, but, uh, um, in the last, you know, 80, 100 years, I saw a lot of Christian art that was one step above Sunday school stuff, you know, and yes. uh, and uh, and I always said to myself and getting you know, when I would talk to people like Blackshear or Morgan Weisling or or Ron Deciani or people who are very uh, great artists, we all talked about that, you know, um, uh, you got to make it the best you can possibly make it, you know, to glorify God in his kingdom and always give the Lord credit. This is where it's coming from. And why, why does God get second best, you know, kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, wow. hey, we're already off on some kind of wacky tangent here. So I'm going <laughs> to. It's great. You know, those are, I'll tell you, that kind of stuff is so encouraging to hear, though, Michael, because, you know, not people don't know the backstories 
on on these kinds of things and mm-hmm. it, like you say in the in the world that we live in now uh it is so easy to be pushed back instead mm-hmm. of being bold and like mm-hmm. you say being able to really know okay yeah i'm going to take a stand for the lord yeah there's going to be ramifications for that but then be saying okay i'm going to do what the lord has has you know, said and do it to the best do all to the glory of god yeah you know i think that um it's just really an in, in, in interesting um, way to look at all this in, in, in our conversations. I mean, I, I've been doing this now a long time. So I was, um, and I figured we'd probably end up talking about this because as I looked at some of your questions, but how, how do we go about living in the world, but not of the world? How do we go about as in a very practical way, um, you know, taking our spiritual inner life and all the, all the things that we deeply believe and not just going around beating people in the head with a two by four. I don't think that's ever really worked very well, uh, at right. least in the secular world. For you know, uh, I, I met an old timer who was uh, uh, he's an old cowboy guy near the Black Hills, and he he told me once I found out he was a Christian, and he says, "Well, I'm kind of in the secret service." He said, "Now my wife, she goes around. She's the real you know evangelical. She sings in choirs, and and she's very outspoken." And he said, "But I, I feel like I'm more in the secret service." And I laughed because uh, it, uh, I knew what he was talking about in a way. Um, and I think that the, also that scripture that God talks about, you know, being as, as uh, you know, as wise as doves and, or, you know, uh, uh, like a fox, you know, you do, you know, you, you follow the Holy Spirit. And, and that's the way I tend to do it these days more, more for the most part uh, when I go about trying to present myself as a Christian in the marketplace. You know, I, I mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they'll see my good works and, and, and glorify God. And they'll say, gee, what's special about you? Or what is that piece you have? Or gee, I love your work. Or, Where does that come from? Um, as you know, as opposed to me, just that's all I do is paint pictures of Jesus with kids on his knee, you know, yes. or, or, or I'm, I'm buried, uh, really buried in, in the culture, um, you know, of, of Christian, um, uh, churches and ministry, and and there obviously there's nothing wrong with that. I don't feel like I'm quite called to that in a way. You know, I'm called to to uh, maybe go about it in the way that God has has directed me, and uh, and it's kind of amazing. Um, sometimes I'd open doors that if I were more heavy-handed with my faith, the, the door would never open. So, um, and I think for me, uh, I'll just finish this up by saying. Is is that not an incredible um, challenge for Christians today? Is to how do we, you know, how do we bring our faith in a relatable way in, into this really almost new world that we live in? Technology and and ninety percent of the of the kids under thirty years old have never even heard of concepts like I'm, I'm a sinner or I need to be forgiven or God loves me or if there even is a God, you know? Yes. Where do you even begin? I've talked to all, all my children and they're all particularly one daughter is very involved in ministry. And we have these conversations. Um, uh, and I'm an old timer now. So how, how do we, uh, how do we in a, in a cultural way uh, reach folks with the, the truth of the gospel and the saving grace of the gospel? Um, it a huge question for us, um, you know, in the, in the world we live in today. So um Anyway, we ask away, Kurt. I'm I'm rambling on here. You go ahead. No, you know you're you're hitting on something there. I think, Michael, that 
for a lot of our us artists, uh, <clears throat> it, like I say, this can be a, whether you're a writer, whether you're a photographer, what you know, yeah. any of the mediums. This all kind of transcends any of that. Is how can we uh, relate, and how can we make it? make the Lord relevant and relatable to the, this younger generation, because it is like you say, so many have not, uh, Mm. they don't, they know nothing biblically at all. They haven't been exposed to it. And, uh, go ahead. Uh, what now, when you think about that, um, how do you think your art is present? How does that trend help translate that over to people? The gospel, your work, what you create, and then all of that, and then into the into the conversations. How does the Lord use that? Do you think? How have you seen that happen? Well, I think uh, we we can talk uh, in a couple of different ways about this. Sort of maybe there were a couple of chapters in my life where there was illustration, and part of that was was doing overtly uh, a, a, you know Christian imagery, mm-hmm. and then and then now what I've been doing for basically almost 20 years in the fine art market uh, and particularly the old, the old West is what I paint in the Western market, which is a whole nother kind of chapter. And I think that each, each of those may have a little bit of a different answer to your question. So let's just, let's just talk about what I'm doing today. One of the things I love about Western art and that I'm so drawn to the, to, to the faith family friend kind of, kind of aspect of American Western art is, is the spiritual aspect, is the Christian heritage, is the foundation um, of, of the history of the American West. And it's, mm. it's, an easy, it's an easy thing to slide into with painting universal themes or godly themes or themes that are family oriented or a responsibility and courage and, and all, all, all the, the positive things we like to think about um, uh, it, it, with the old West and it, it, since I'm a narrative painter, like you're a, you're sort of a narrative sculptor, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're oftentimes thinking in terms of that, maybe you come up with an idea and gee, I can, I can give it a, uh, um, a subtle spiritual name, or I can do something that sounds really encouraging, or I can do something that's very positive and, and just the title of the piece, or maybe, maybe the subject, maybe the narrative you're trying to say brings to mind, something that's has all of its foundations in the Christian faith. And so it, it can easily um, all, almost overtly, you know, convey what you're, you're thinking about as an artist, but at a minimum, it's going to maybe get people thinking about that story or, or the heroic aspect or the Christian aspect or the godly aspect of that subject that, that can lead into other con- the conversation, you know, and that happens Fairly regularly to me, uh, it also, I think, lets people know where I'm coming from as an individual. A, they may, going back to maybe they see that little cross, maybe mm-hmm. they've heard, heard a podcast I've done before, maybe they've they've read a little about my biography, maybe they go to my website to see the mission statement, maybe um, all those things together, uh, you know, hopefully make me a vessel for God that, that he can use in a variety of ways that, that that'll open doors or, or prompt a conversation in, in, with people and particularly with young people, you know, if they come and they're, you know, they're over the moon with the artwork and quote, any success I may have had, uh, you know, they're going to listen pretty closely to whatever you have to say. 
you know? Yes. And, and, uh, it, it, you know, money can't buy that kind of thing. You know, it just comes from years of, of being committed. Um, and when I was doing a lot of workshops, when I started doing workshops, I hadn't been a teacher before and, um, uh, outside of illustration particularly, but I kept saying to the Lord, well, how am I going to do this? You know, how do I learn to articulate what I've been automatically doing now for a lot of years? And he really helped me out in that regard. But a lot of it went back to biblical teaching. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it, it is easy as pie to be a, a, a teacher. Uh, I'm an oil painter or a visual artist here to bring God into the conversation. You know, uh, and I would always say to or I'd be really upfront with the workshop people because I get all kinds I said, look, I'm not here to proselytize you guys, but I can't talk about, about the creative, uh, creative side of what I do and what you're attempting to do uh, without bringing God into the conversation. I said, uh, you know, and that's okay. If you don't believe in God. You can, I don't know who your God is. That's all fine. But, uh, but uh, you know, uh, it, it, I'm just letting you know. I'm not judging you one way or another, but this is where I'm coming from. I tell you, I love what you just, all that you just said there, uh, Michael, it being able, and the thing, here's what I, here's what I'm seeing as you're talking and sharing with us about all of this is there is, you are just in your, so upfront, which is, it's highly, un, you know, it's unusual to see that, to be that, have that kind of boldness regularly. But what it shows me is how closely Jesus is, you're walking so closely that he and you are, it's just part of who you're, it's so much a part of who you are that you can't help it. And that's, it just has to come out. And that speaks volumes to people who, when they look at your work and when they look at you mm. about the reality of who Jesus is. Well, you know, uh, uh, okay. I mean, maybe uh, I, I, um, I think if, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I don't want to do it in such a way that it's, uh, it seems like I'm anything special, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I really, I'm not special, you know, but, but right. we all certainly know God certainly is. And, and, um, but I, I, you know, it's been an interesting journey for me through, through all of this. And, um, and now I'm at a, a point in my life where, time becomes a little bit more valuable. And, uh, and I have been saying to myself lately, you, you know, I haven't done anything that's real overt in terms of ministry or, or, or um, dealing directly uh, in, in bringing people to Christ. And it's, and I've been wondering myself a little bit lately with the time I have left on this earth, you know, maybe I should do something a, a bit more uh, overt. I haven't done any really faith-based artwork in a long time. Um, I had did a big Bible project about 10 years ago, uh, the Founders Bible. Um, oh. And um, I did a cover for it. There's actually a page in in. I actually have a page in a Bible about me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Wow, that's all right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, talk, <laughs> talk about uh, 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 humbling. I mean, I, it's I'm actually totally embarrassed by it. But it, it's, it's, you know, it's another long, unique story. The publisher's. Uh, who who did this? But it, it, anyway, it's called the Founders Bible. David Barton is is a he has a ministry called Wall Builders. He's out of Texas, and uh, he's a very famous guy, and he's a historian, and, and he's he's a just he's a incredible historian. He's got the largest private collection of uh, of sort of national um, archives outside of the Smithsonian. You know, he's an expert on the founding of the country, and so his ministry is really about you know trying to teach people about 
the, the Judeo-Christian history of the country. And anyway, he's a great guy. He's so in this Bible there's, is, you know, hundreds of pages of supplemental uh, information that, that talks, you know, you read a passage out of the Bible or hear a story out of the old Testament, and then he'll write a couple of pages on how it relates to where we're at today. And, and I, and I love that because I think relevancy for the gospel is, is, has always been critical, but I think more today that, than ever. So anyway, I was asked to do a bunch of spot illustrations and a cover for this Bible. And, um, and the publishers, uh, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, when I got my first Bible, they said, there's a surprise in you for, uh, uh, in the Bible for you. And, uh, and I opened it up and, you know, a little ways in that the preamble of all the Bible and how it was put together. There's a page in there that said about our illustrator. And <laughs> oh, wow. so, so, I mean, it, it, it's really, you know, talk, talk about, uh, uh, having something come out of the blue that you never would have ever dreamed about or, or, th- or thought about. And it just makes me laugh as I sit here, but, uh, wow. but the, you know, yeah, I did some stuff for that. And, um, um, I've had a lot of work on loan to the Mu- museum of biblical art in Dallas for many, many years. Uh, I've, a lot of my original faith based and Christian paintings were on loan and still mm-hmm. are that there's six or eight of them down. there still on loan. And, but I haven't done anything like that in a while. And I, you know, I've been just, Hey, trying to play catch up with uh, all the normal stuff in life, you know, trying yeah. to, uh, you know, get your mortgage paid off and, and help your kids as, as they go into the world and prepare for some retirement. And, and, you know, my career, Kurt, I mean, I've, I'm in all these shows, so you know what this is all like for all of us. We're just slamming, you know, um, yeah. keeping up. But I would love to get to the point here where I have a little more personal time, and um, I don't even know what what I would actually paint if I suddenly had some free time and want to do some very serious um, faith based work. You know, whether mm-hmm. whether it be real historical uh, Christian paintings, a lot of that's been done over the centuries, or whether it would be something new and different. I don't know, but I, the stirring is in there, you know, in my heart. Oh. Whatever that means, and uh, I pray God gives me a good health uh, for many more years that I'll have time to, you know, maybe do something like that. Um, yeah. You know, um, and I, and I know I'm not the only one in this industry. Uh, I could rattle off half dozen names of guys and gals, you know, that are in the, in the Western art market that, that are kind of feel the same thing. You know, one guy springs to mind a lot. Who's pretty overt about this is Dan Gerhardt's. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, and I've known Dan since the '90s, and we were good friends. And and uh, he's a very godly man, and and um, he's another one who's very upfront and bold about it. Um, and he and I've talked about he's he's run into some some issues with individuals and people that that uh, really have a hard time with his faith, but he doesn't care. You know, he's he's he is who he is. Um, and. Uh, but I think that the, there are other other people in the Western art market, other great artists and sculptors and people who feel the way we do. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, I don't know if uh, there's some kind of movement going on or we're just all left to our individual um, inspirations on how we fulfill the calling of the spirit in this regard. So time will tell, I think, huh? Yeah, no, you're you're sure right about that. Um, and it's interesting. You talk about how the Lord's stirring you. I got to tell you, that just excites me, Michael. It's like, oh, crud. I wonder what that's going to look like. That's going to be great. You know, <laughs> oh. well, do you remember? Did you ever know Roy Grinnell? 
Mm, I don't think so. I know the name, but no. Yeah. yeah Roy, I hmm. He was in the CA. Uh, this is back in the, I believe it was the late 80s, early 90s. It's in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And Roy was a believer as well. And I'll never forget, I used to show in a gallery out in uh, Los Olivos. Mm-hmm. And the gal that handled my work out there handled some of Roy Grinnell's work. And he had done a painting because every once in a while he would do a faith-based painting. Mm-hmm. And he did a painting and it was of a, the soldier at the cross and he was looking up at it and it was quite a dramatic painting. Mm-hmm. And I was told over and over again how that you know people were getting saved from that painting. Wow. And it's it is very powerful. It was like, oh, good grief! Uh, the gallery owner was telling me about this over and over again. And mm-hmm. I think when you when you talk about it, especially knowing the level that you work at, how the Lord has brought you to this place, I can't wait to see because you certainly can do the work. Your work would be just so impacting as it is now. I mean, don't get me wrong at all. Mm-hmm. Is. But mm-hmm. that kind of, that really excites me, and I do think that there is a movement amongst the Western artists in particular, because of course that's what you and I are more familiar with, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. where that boldness is becoming uh, more and more. And that is really an exciting type of a movement of the Lord. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just a really interesting thing to ponder um, in a, in in a way. I, I, I don't know. I think it's partly my age, but I also think there's a certain urgency on anybody who doesn't live under a rock, you know, when you yes. look at the world we live in and the yes. incredible uh, breakneck speed changes that, that uh, are happening around us. Uh, and I'm, yeah, technology is part of it, but just culturally, I mean, I think the battle between evil and, and good light and darkness uh, in many ways is as defined today as I've ever seen it. Um, and, and I, and I think that, um, yeah, it, it all rolls over into politics. And, you know, I do my fair share of just trying to keep up on what's going on. But uh, but I think, you know, with the belief that we have, we know what the real battle is. And, yeah. And and um, there is a bit, bit of a sense of urgency in, in, in that respect as well. You know, um, uh, I shudder to sort of think in some ways what what people uh, you know, 50 years from now, we're going to be facing uh, at the rate we're sort of going. And, and, you know, no man knows when the Lord's going to return. You know, uh, there have been people for 2000 years thinking it was going to be the next morning, you know. Right. Uh, and, and none of us have a clue. I remember I was in ministry, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And, oh, yeah, you know, you're storing food, doing everything, everything because God's coming back tomorrow, you know. And mm-hmm. here it is, you know, 25 years later. Well, he hasn't come back yet. So. I learned I learned a long time ago to, to not sit around and twiddle my thumbs waiting for, you know, Jesus to come out of the sky. But I think that it is going to happen someday. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, look at um, look at, uh, you know, look, look at the darkness that, that is in so much of the world. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't live during World War Two and I, I assume there were some pretty dark days then as well. But um, uh you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but but uh, I, I I think there is you can't help but just wonder what the heck is going on. I guess yeah. is the, uh, in common language, what the heck is going on? You know? Yeah, no, I I'm in total agreement. Well, you know, and we're called. You know, it goes back to what First Thessalonians chapter uh, three and four tell us that we're, we weren't going to know the day or the hour, but we're called to know the season, and we're yep. called to live in that expectation of yep. the return of Christ every yep. day. Yeah. And like you say, when we look at what Scripture says, 
about those last moments and about where we're at. It's like, oh, good grief. Yeah, there. I totally agree uh, with what you're saying, uh, because there is and you know that there's people that do not uh, they're looking around. They don't know what Scripture says. They don't know Jesus. And the result is they're left in places of great fear mm-hmm. and places mm-hmm. of great apprehension, and they have no answers. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. I, I, well, I've, I, I wonder, I've wondered out loud ever since uh, I met the Lord, but, but even prior to that, I guess, how do people get through life without a relationship with God? Yeah. And even before I became, you know, saved and had my own, you know, fairly serious born again experience. But I there I, I was searching. I was a searcher because I knew um, I knew there was something more than um, than the, the, the day to day living, just getting by. I knew that I was here for a purpose and a reason. And um, I, and, you know, I, I I was compelled to find out what that was. I tried all different kinds of things, you know, and looked at all different sorts of things. We won't gonna go into all that. But, you know, when I finally got to the point where I surrendered my life to Christ and he entered my heart. I mean, it was like, wham. I mean, it was like I got I got just run over in a good way, you know, and. It, yeah. And it's I've never been the same. So. So. Uh, and, and since then, I say, how do people cope uh in this crazy crazy world well i know how they do with you know alcohol or drugs or 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 uh uh you know you know sex or or chasing after all kinds of idols you know money uh, power whatever whatever it is uh they get you by temporarily day by day maybe you know overeating over this whatever um and we, we, as human beings, we, you know, in the in the natural part of us, we're awfully flawed in that regard, and we just uh, uh, that's what people do to get by, I guess. But it, it it's sad. It's not what God's true intention is. I don't believe for any of us. Um, and uh, you know, that leads me into knowing what even when I would teach a lot or or just talk to folks, I I'm I'm really sort of big on understanding why you're here and what your purpose is for what you do, why you do, you know, whatever it is you choose to do, what's the purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and to have a, a plan in a sense and have a, uh, have a goal in mind and have, have some conscious uh, understanding of, of, uh, of, of where you are, who you are, where you're headed, you know, and I think God brings that total awareness into somebody who's open to it, you know. There's something you said earlier, which I think a lot of people, uh, it really struck me, and you said that when you you hit you when people see your work, that when young people in particular come up and talk to you, and they're just over the moon over the work and over you know who you are and all the rest of it, how that the quality of the work, and then them getting a chance to meet you opens up doors that money can't buy. Mm-hmm. And that it's a great way of being able to uh, see the Lord open doors for you in their lives. I think that is so important in terms of you were talking so much about quality and you you know about the, the, how important that kind of thing is, and what doors that can open as you go through your career. Well, yeah, I, I uh, well, I think it's absolutely true. Not just for me. I think for for you know, most folks when they're, when they're in this, a similar position, um, um, 
you know, once again, it's one of those things I'm not really conscious of at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I don't say, oh, good, here's an opportunity, you know, out of, you know, I mean, I think it is sort of consciously a little bit there, but more subconsciously. And really, it comes down to just just being kind and, and, and loving to people and showing a little bit of interest in who they are, you know, making them feel comfortable and and being trying to be genuinely interested in, in who they are and, and what they're going through, you know, um, yeah. All those things, who knows where that ultimately is going to lead you. Maybe at one time you meet them once and you never, ever see them again or hear from them. Other times, you know, gee, you know, here's my, here's my card, you know, give me a call sometime or you'll run into, run into them at the next show. And, and maybe a relationship builds. Um, and, um, and, and I think, I think it's all part of this, this, this whole, um, uh, process of living as a believer in, in in this world, being a conduit for God, knowing how um, he, he hopefully works in me without me knowing it. Uh, uh, that way, I don't get any glory or can take any credit for it, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't want. Um, and I and if it, if somehow or another, overall, I present um, a feeling of gee what is that something that you've got in your heart it's unspoken it's like gee there maybe there's some light in that person you've you know that that's what's important you felt that when you've met somebody or you you, you don't know somebody but you, you meet them and it's very casual and you can just sort of tell that they've got they've got a light inside of them and yeah uh, uh you, you know we're we're as human beings we pick up on this thing and Sometimes it's it's maybe it's not the fact that they're Christian, but boy, a whole lot of the time it really is. And my wife and I have said this hundreds of times in our lifetime. Boy, I bet that person's a believer. You know, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just I do. You, you can meet him in the bank or the post office or buying groceries or you know, a guy comes and you know works on your yard or or you know, it just happened to me yesterday. I had a guy come and hide your seed. Uh, we had to redo our whole lawn because of a storm. Anyway. <laughs> And the company was came, it came and and uh, one guy and two workers and they were just the nicest guys and I could just tell with the guy who was running the company you know and when yeah. they left they gave me a card on how to take care of the the yard and at the very bottom it says God bless have a great day well <laughs> you know I mean I knew I the, almost the minute I met the guy I'd never yeah. met him before he was a subcontractor was sent to me and so you know that kind of thing um, I just always think it's so cool you know uh, yeah. You know, the spirit world is every bit as real as the natural world we live in. And and we, uh, you know, as Americans, we don't do a very good job of acknowledging that. I think we, we are so well taken care of and all of our physical needs, for the most part, are taken care of uh, mm-hmm. for the majority of people. And uh, I think that's contributed to this thing that, that um, we don't really need God anymore. You know, all of our yeah. needs are taken care of. Except on the other hand, you know, uh, six out of every seven people are on medications, you know, I mean, yes. just, just to cope with the world. And and I, I think spiritually, um, um, you know, even a lot of Christians, you know, even a lot of people who really do love the Lord still struggle mightily. You know, I mean, absolutely. It's and that's not a judgment on anybody really, per se. But it's it's apparent to me, despite how um, all of our needs are taken, that that we're we're spiritually so poor you know uh and and so what can any of us do or where can we try to do our part to make the world a better place be a vessel to help uh shore up that that need um uh that that, that we see every day around around us um kurt you know so yeah. i mean i felt that when i first met you 
you know, um, maybe not in Settlers West because I don't remember our meeting all that much. It was probably, you know, but I certainly remember seeing you at, at Quest, you know, and that was probably 10 years ago. I think I've been yeah. in there for 10 or 11 years now. And, um, and uh, you know, I felt I felt the light that was in you, you know, and so did my wife, you know. So oh. um, uh, I, it, it, it's an awesome thing. It's it's. Sort of, there's a common term in politics that they call the dog whistle. You know, <laughs> you know, some some politician says something, and the opposition said, "Oh, that's just a dog whistle for all his crazy followers." You know, oh, and it makes me laugh because I think, well, God's got a dog whistle too. You know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's great, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it is. It's so wonderful to make the, to have those connections with other believers, you know, our brothers and sisters, and that as we meet them and all the rest it's mm-hmm. really it's just it's very exciting that's for darn sure yeah you know, and and we need that to, you know to know we're not we alone. you know mm-hmm. i mean yeah. fellowship is is critically important um and uh you know even though and I, I don't mind telling you this at the moment my wife and i've been sort of church uh searching for for several years now we were very involved in a serious ministry for 35 years or so that it eventually sort of mostly fell apart Mm. We, we walked away with a bit of bit of damage uh, just in terms of, um, oh, I won't get into any of any of all that. I mean, it's all OK, you know, and mm-hmm. nothing, uh, this life or death. But but, it, um, you know, and we, we it, 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 it did change us in terms of, of how we how we are our walks with God. You know, they're I think they're much more internal and personal with us at the moment. It doesn't mean we're opposed to finding uh, a, a, a good church to go to. I think so many christians are like are like that in, in, today that they've they've been through some pretty damaging um experiences uh working in and out of traditional churches and i've been to a ton of prayer meetings and, and uh uh you know home prayer groups and um and a lot of those are great um so it, it, that's kind of where my wife and i are sort of are at it it, it doesn't yeah uh, it hasn't you know in a direct way affected our walk, personal walks with God, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's, it's, it's an interesting time. I think the whole body of Christ is going through uh, at a much larger level. I think it's particularly in the West, you know, uh, Western countries and West and America. Yeah. You know, when I say West, I mean, yeah, Europe and, and uh, you know, what, what the role of the church and, um, you, you know, uh, the mainline denominations, as well as all of the hundreds, literally, of other Protestant denominations and various various configurations of, of believers, you know. And I've been, yeah. a lot, as you know, I'm a lifelong musician. I was a mm-hmm. worship leader in a church for years. Uh, that's how I relax still to this day. I, I, I love playing guitar and I play mandolin and, and a little bit of piano. And just had, I got a music room kind of in my studio where I just hang up the brushes and just go make noise, you know. Um, and and I really do miss actually the worship aspect of, of being able to play on a regular basis with other other um, uh, uh, believers, Christian musicians, or you know, being involved in active worship. But um, uh, we'll see what the future holds for that. Um, I'm going on a, a Cowboy Artists of America trail ride here in a couple of weeks, and and Bill Nebaker usually brings a guitar or two. And I, if, if, if I can drive in or fly in, if I fly in, I bring my mandolin. If I drive in, I bring a couple of guitars. We sit around the campfire and, um, and, and sing old cowboy songs, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, a bunch of the guys in CA are, you know, are all believers and, and, uh, you know, 
um, it's an interesting uh, eclectic mix. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's just great. Well, you know, it, that's it's really exciting. And I want to ask you this too. I know with your music, you were you were you know you're a very serious musician. I mean, you've got lots of you got skills. You know, you've got skills. Well, and, well, I don't know how you know that. <laughs> well, you know, I just hear things. I just find stuff out. Well, what interests me is, you know, you could have gone either direction, really, in terms of music or art, because, you know, what, how did, why, how did art end up being really the direction that you decided to go? Well, I'll try to give you a very condensed version. I mean, my, my, um, um, my parents were very supportive of the arts and my mother had actually gone to uh, uh, art school for a year when she was, you know, out of, out of high school back, um, you know, back in the world war two era. And, and, uh, she was also a piano player and a singer in the church choir and played piano. And, and she was very talented. And my dad loved music and he was a very visual guy. He wanted to always be an architect and never was able to go to school and, and do that. Um, so I owe a lot to them to support, support us in the arts. So there was music and art in my family as we were growing up. And I think art was always sort of the, the, the most natural. I started playing guitar when I was like 11 or 12 when the Beatles showed up. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and uh, uh, but I, I got really very serious about it for, you know, any number of years. And um, I was making money when I was in college. I only went to college for a year back in uh, 1970. And I was making uh, money every weekend playing playing uh, professional music. And I quit college after I was majoring in art, but but I quit school just so I could be a musician. And for about four or five years, I was on the road. Um, I did some studio work, played with some very very good people, um, and uh, I had a, I had kind of a choice to make when I was um, about twenty four, um, which way I wanted to go and. And I, I always did some art, even through those years. I was always drawing. Occasionally, I'd take a sort of a, sh- a little work workshop or, a, or an art class. And I and what I decided at that point was the art actually was probably my really my first calling. And but I really agonized over that decision. But art seemed to come a little bit easier to me. And I uh, um, and I, I'm sure I could have had a career as a musician. I don't know how successful I would have been or not, but. Uh, uh, I, it was, I agonized over that decision for many months internally. And I finally decided to leave the music industry and, and, um, you know, go back to art school. Uh, mm-hmm. so in 1970, uh, 77, I went to Minneapolis college of art and design for one semester. And that's why I was born in Minnesota, raised there. And, uh, so I, I was there and I wasn't happy with the school. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had a painting and a drawing in the student art show and an art director called me, uh, from McGraw Hill publishing company. They had a division in Minneapolis and on the spot, she offered me a job. You know, at that point I was, uh, you know, 25 and, and uh, you know, I was in school with a lot of kids who were 19 and 20 years old, wasting their parents' money, you know, at an art (laughs) school, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so, so, uh, you know, I, so I I quit school and went, went, got a job uh, with McGraw Hill as a staff illustrator and a mechanical artist, worked there for a year and then I quit and started freelancing. And I got married in that interim, in that period. And my wife, Valerie, was from, lived in Vermont. I'd met her when I was on the road as a musician. And we went back to Vermont. And that's when I went to New York and got an agent. And uh, just things just took right off. I mean, uh, I was busy for 20-some 
you know, 25 years. So, yeah. so I think that, uh, um, but I, but the interesting thing is I always played music. And so I met the Lord around that same time. And when I joined, actually it was a Bible study in Vermont that it just sort of kicked up and, uh, gee, people found out I play guitar pretty seriously. And uh, so I started bringing my guitar. A couple other people did. And before you know it, we ultimately built a church and had a, um, uh, you know, pretty thriving church over the years. And uh, so I was able to actually take my music ability and use it for a better purpose, really, you know, in, wow. in, in, yeah. in church. So, and somewhere in there, a few years later, there was nobody could play piano. And so I had a chance to get an old upright and I taught myself how to play piano, just I can bang out hymns and, you know, that kind of stuff. I knew enough about music to learn through that. But, um, uh, it was great. And and I, I have three children and they're all music and art oriented. And my one daughter went to Berkeley school of music in Boston and, oh, wow. um, and, uh, and they all play. My other daughter has really has a ministry. She writes gospel music. She and her husband, uh, they sort of work with worship teams in churches and teaching them um, and helping them uh, with their music. And um, so it was at one point in my, my church music, um, experience. I'm playing uh, uh, acoustic and electric guitar. My daughter's oldest daughter's playing piano. My other daughter, who was from Berkeley, was a voice major. My son played bass and drums, usually bass. And then my son-in-law is a fifth-generation drummer. So wow. we, had, we literally had like I'm sitting there playing with all my kids, and what a treat! What a rush that was! It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, we did that for you know five, six, seven years probably, and then everybody you know, was off to college or you know things moved on. But yeah, uh, um, but I, I still love to play music. Oh, I, I don't play as well as I probably used to. I don't have a lot of time, but uh, it doesn't take long for me to get back on the bicycle, you know, and uh, and, and and play fairly well um occasionally when i'd go back to minnesota and see my old musician friends i'd sit in and play with them a little bit um and i have a brother who's a full-time musician in nashville he's a virtuoso violin viola mandolin a player oh. and he's played with people all over the country you know uh, he's an incredible musician wow so it's it, yeah it's very very much in my uh in my family and um and I, once in a while, I find myself daydreaming, gee, would have, should have, could have, you know, wouldn't have been yeah. fun to been able to have done more music in, in, in my career. But um, that's OK. You know, uh, I, I feel fortunate that my hands still work and my brain still works and I can mm -hmm. um, and I can sit down and, uh, you know, just have fun playing. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, it's great. Well, I'll tell you, there's a whole bunch of us that are awful happy that you made the choice that you made the lord put you right there and how he worked all that it's uh you know the, the music is all great too it's like it's just but we're really thrilled that you're you're doing what you're doing let me tell you well that's very kind kurt we're way too kind actually but um uh you know I, uh, hopefully i've brought something to the uh the party that uh that is i i hate use that using that term that made the world a better place but it's you know, I guess uh, that's an admirable goal for all of us to have. It is. Whatever our vocation is, uh, whatever it is, literally whatever it is, uh, you can go about it in a way that, that uh, uh, when your days are finally over here on this earth, people can look back and say, gee, I'm sure glad they were here. You know? Yep. Well, that's right. And it goes, you know, Scripture says, you know, to do everything is unto the Lord. That's right. Absolutely. And 
that's yeah. really where where it's all at. And man, you do that. It's I did. There's just so many things. Um, I want to ask you too. You you mentioned earlier something. I think that it would be it's really important. You talked about you know as you walk, being able to mature and become and draw closer to the Lord. What are some ways that you have that you, things that you do that have helped to draw you closer to Him over the years? You know, I saw that question on your sheet, and I said, "Oh Lord, I don't want to have to answer that." <laughs> well, see, there you <laughs> <Because> go. Because <clears throat> let me let me put it to you this way, and I'm I'm just going to be re- really honest with you here. You know, when I first met the Lord and was very involved in in the church I was referring to uh, in that ministry, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was I was playing music at like three, sometimes four services a week. I was I, I was traveling on the road a lot of times with our pastor who. Who would teach? I did missionary work, uh, uh, and this is non-denominational, by the way. Um, some people laughed and said, "Oh, you're a CA guy now. You must be born. You know, it must be LDS." You know, oh, I said, "No, man. you know, <laughs> I don't know why you would say that, but I make me laugh." Uh, <laughs> uh, it, which is fine. I mean, I'm not one way or another. It doesn't matter. But but we were non-denominational. I, I took several trips to Kenya. We built some schools, helped build schools, and put in um, wells. And I was incredibly involved. And, um, you know, as the years sort of went by there after a while, um, there was a, you know, the, the church sort of crumbled a little bit, sort of semi-falling out, not in a terrible way, but it was just time for us to move on. We ended up moving yeah. up to Idaho, you know, and, and, I, and I really went heavy in the Western art. And so, um, you know, on a, on, a, on a personal level, it's much less disciplined, let's put it that way, than, than it used to be in my life with that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I find myself just... Um, yeah, I read the word now and then, and I, and I certainly, uh, my wife and I pray and, um, but we're not actively in, in, involved in a church at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, th- I think it's, I find myself when I, when I think about God and I talk to the Lord all the time, um, it's just, it's just seems in some ways very informal, you know, there's just sort of a camaraderie. There's just sort of a, a thing that happens and it's, it, I'm not on any kind of regiment and I don't recommend that to people. I say, look, if you can have a regiment, you got quiet time and prayer time and you're, and you're reading, you know, a chapter a day out of the Bible and you're doing, you know, you're disciplined yourself. It's an awesome thing. I should be doing it. And I find that in recent years, I just, I just haven't been, you know, and likewise with my wife, when we, you know, we say to ourselves, are we really falling away? And I, I don't feel like I am. And, and mm-hmm. it's an odd feeling. I don't feel like I am on a personal basis with the Lord, you know, but I uh, and I know I, I had so much scripture and so many, you know, literally probably thought a couple thousand Bible studies in my day. And, mm-hmm. and it's just it, it's just, you know, it becomes this sort of way of thinking. It's just this the, the, the words and the scriptures are just sort of there, you know. Um, yeah. But I don't recommend that what I'm where I'm sort of at. I don't recommend that to people. And I find it really interesting. So I'm just being brutally honest with you here. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm just saying this is this is real. This is for real. You know, this is a this is a real man talking to you, <laughs> as they say, you know, and I, yes. you know, if somebody asks me to pray, I'll do it at the drop of a hat. Or if I see a friend and, you know, it just it's but but and. You know, and I have mixed feelings about that. I say, Lord, you know, yeah, am I am I a backslider here? I don't feel like I am in, in a lot of ways. But, you know, because I knew a lot of people who were like that, who I, I think they were just going through the motions as well. Yes. You know, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They were living an insincere, maybe social gospel that really was 
they just went along to get along and, and uh, you know, or whatever. Uh, and and, and I, I just find that an interesting thing in my in, in my heart and my life. You know, I mean, if I have a chance to tell somebody about the becoming saved and knowing God and and and, and becoming um, a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, uh, I love doing that. I'm right there to do it. So um, it's just it's just sort of interesting. And maybe it has something to do with a little bit of age. Uh, maybe it, I, I know part of it has to do with, you know, like you, when you're running this business whole hog, um, you know, you know, I'm still working 60 hours a week probably. And I'm 70 years old, you know, Um, and and I'll probably, uh, you know, I hope to slow down here as the ensuing years come along, but I love what I do. And, um, and, uh, uh, so it's an interesting question, you know? Um, and, um, you know, occasionally I turn on TV, you know, I watch, you know, services or, or watch, uh, you know, Christian TV program or something. I always get a lot out of that. I listen to Christian radio a bunch. Uh, that I do a lot, actually. You know, yeah. uh, when I'm painting, um, you know, I've always got the radio on. I listen to music a lot, but, but I listen to uh, all kinds of radio and podcasts and things like that a lot. And my wife reads a lot. I, I know that she reads, yeah, reads the Bible, but she has she's she's always has a book on her dresser at night and she's always reading mm. um, sometimes casually and sometimes um you know more 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 of a devotional read um yeah. and that and that kind of thing so uh i i you know i'm just being real honest with you i don't know i i have a feeling it's going to continue to sort of morph and change a little bit um yeah sure um and I was with a men's group for a couple of years and that we stopped because of COVID. So we would all get together once a week, a bunch of old white hairs, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, and we, we pray and we talk and help pray for each other and talk about things. And one guy would always bring a little teaching and I really enjoyed that. And we haven't picked it back up again since the whole pandemic is over. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so I think that gives you kind of, that's, yeah. that's a long answer to a short question. You know? But, you know, I'll tell you what, so it, uh, what's so interesting to me about that, Michael, is this. There's a couple of things. I know there's a lot of people that struggle with that very thing. Uh, the things mm-hmm. in terms of not only being, you know, having challenges and being hurt, perhaps in the church, different things like that. Yeah. yeah. But then also mm-hmm. there are different seasons. And what I see in you and everything that you just said, it goes back to something that you have you've, you're showing. It's not something you're really saying. Is something that is evident by how it comes out of you. And that is that the things of scripture have been so inculcated in who you are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it, it's no matter what Jesus is going to come out. And that hasn't changed. And you're still in the midst of all of that. And that's a very encouraging thing for people who are going through that season because we all have seasons where something like that can happen. Yeah, you know, it's so prevalent in, in the uh, American body of Christ. And I and, and and it's I can't even tell you the number of people. I almost don't know anybody who hasn't gone through that. You know, yeah. uh, that yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of anybody I know who's been involved, well, particularly in one church their entire lives for you know, 50 years, 60 years or whatever, but even in the same denomination, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that I've known people who were raised Catholic, who were really scarred terribly, um, got out of it. Uh, um, other people who are truly incredible, saved Christians, beautiful people that feel their, their calling is to stay in their denomination, whether it's Catholic or Anglican or 
know, Presbyterian, whatever it is, or vice, you know, people going both directions, you know, they, or even they go back at some point, I mean, over the many, many de- decades and years, you know, it, or, or um, they've questioned all, all kinds of things, even, even with my parents, you know, I saw it as they were growing up, they did, they both got born again in their later years, my dad was 72, and my mother was in her late 50s, they'd been church wow. goers their entire life, you know, and it was just, it was just what you did back then, and they were wonderful people, and, and, but but they never really knew the Lord personally, you know. And they wow. they came to they came to a, a, a crisis kind of in their life. Usually, it happens with a lot of older people, and they really reached out to God, and he boy, he just you know picked them up uh, from their fear and their and their their sickness or whatever. And uh, they, they had they went to heaven uh, in total peace, just excited about seeing God, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and but yet they've been churchgoers all, all their life. And and um, uh, as they moved around the country, they, you know, they moved to different churches. And I just think that's just it's something that that um, uh, I think there are there are there are books and people who this our whole ministry is ministering to the believer who's who's had um, various kinds of experiences with the body of Christ and where they're worshiping and where they go to find fellowship, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, uh, you know, you probably know, like you mentioned yourself, how many people do you know who, um, you've talked to about this very thing? Um, and, uh, I, uh, you know, I'd be, like I said, I would be very hard pressed to even think of anybody who I, who their entire life didn't have some kind of issue somewhere along the, along the line. I thank God that I never had one that is, I mean, it really put me in despair because I had yeah. those people as well. I mean, it, it destroyed their faith. You know, yeah, and uh, it's it's a long road back uh, for some of the damage that was done, um, and that's really sad. You know, yeah. Uh, um, but we're being honest here. You know, we're 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 talking in the real world, and and um, and I think that's important. Um, it is. You know? uh, people need to know that they're not alone in these things. Yeah, and because, like you say, it's more prevalent than what anybody really wants to talk about, but it's mm-hmm. there. And to see, uh, just hearing you talk about your whole journey in this part of your life and where you're at right now, that is so valuable, Michael. I so appreciate you uh, sharing all of that because that's going to encourage a lot of people. Well, uh, you know, I hope so. You know, I know it, 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 I've heard people when I was sort of going through some, some of these things, you know, I heard other people talk about it and it encouraged me, you know, how, how, how they were able to overcome it or how they're. They're, uh, you, you know, um, you know, the devil it, it never quits. You know, he's he's yeah, he's he's always in our world and he's he's the great deceiver. He's the great liar. He's um, I don't want to give him too much credit, but, you know, we're really no match for him as as individual people. You know, yeah. Put yeah. on your armor, God, every day, you know, uh, Ephesians, you know, to, to, whatever you need to do. But but he's he's fooled me more than once. Let me tell you. You know, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and uh, and I'm, I'm, he doesn't quit. You know, and so I think that that's that's a very real part of who we are. You know, we we aren't perfect. We're forgiven, as that bumper sticker says, and all of those things. But it but it really is very real. Um, uh, and all I have to do is look at the life of Christ. You know, and how often he was tempted, and what what he had to face in spiritual warfare. You know, it's yeah. very real. It's very real. And it affects the from the pastor on down, you know, and everybody yes. in between uh, uh, with, with temptations and falling and uh, 
you know, uh, some of the biggest arguments I've ever been involved in were sitting on church boards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boy. You know, you know, say, say, hey, we're supposed to be here for God. It isn't about you or me. We're here all to love each other. And do it all. Yeah. Well, bam. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. You know, I mean, oh, boy. you know, that is so true. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. No, I, boy, I, I totally understand. That is, that is so true. But you know, well, you, you also, there's something I, I think is really important uh, because it, it's so true. You said a lot of things are really important, but in terms of, I constantly remind people, uh, we teach, I teach a Bible study. We're going through the book of Revelation right now and over and over again about how everything we see is a spirit has a spiritual cause that has a physical manifestation. Yep. Yep. And that is the reality of it. And the spiritual is more real than anything we can touch. And when we talk about your work and how you approach painting, what do you look for in a good solid painting? And what makes good art as far as you're concerned? Um, well, I'm going to go back to, I think in some ways, First of all, I like I like all kinds of stuff from abstract. I appreciate the, 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 the what's going on with that all the way down to I mean every style you can ever imagine. I'm very eclectic in my tastes, uh, but I always try to whatever whatever style let's say whatever um, the approach is. I always sort of seek out the very best of the people in that genre. You know, I'm always yeah. drawn to that. And I even when I would teach, I was always saying to people, don't you know. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Let's talk about the best of the best and saturate yourself with that. Um, and the same in music. You know, if you want to play the blues guitar, don't listen to somebody who's just kind of okay. Listen to the very, very best because it'll, it'll, you'll absorb that and you won't be satisfied with anything but the best. You know, and it really does af affect you. So anyway, that being said, um, um, the, you know, I sort of, I, and I've judged art shows and. I've talked about all this forever, you know, and it's really hard to sort of narrow it down. But I think that, say, within the genre, like, say, the Western art that we're in, mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll we'll limit it to that for for uh, uh, so we can get get through this uh, intelligently. But I think that I look initially sort of for the purpose. I try to first of all, I have an emotional reaction if I like it or not. It's just an intuitive thing, you know. And and if I look at it long enough. Uh, I, I very quickly go to what was either the artist thinking or I, I subconsciously sort of identify the purpose of that painting, you know, and yeah. I, then I can tell were they successful or not uh, in, in my eye. And it somehow adds to the enjoyment for me if, if, if I feel, gee, they really nailed that one. Or, you know what, for what I, I get what they're trying to say or, you know, yeah, this person's a pencil artist in the West. And I'm going to judge that entirely differently than if I would a, an oil painter, let's say, you know, or mm -hmm. uh, and, and or look at that person's body of work or uh, the other thing that that that. Um, so anyway, uh, what what makes a, a successful painting or a good painting or a good piece of art? You know, wow, uh, I had to I have to literally had to do a, a presentation and a lecture on this uh, at, a, at an event I went to probably 10 years ago. They said your topic is what makes a successful painting. So uh, you'll find this interesting. I, um, here I'm back to, to spirituality again. <laughs> I said so I started my opening. I said, OK, here's a topic. How do we know? Let's narrow it down. But I have a question for everybody in this room. How did God know when he created something that it was good? Oh, oh, oh man! So I Love said, so that. how do you know when you've created something if it's good or not? 
you know? And so that's when I, then I launched into say, God had a purpose in mind. And, and so when he, he, on we went to Genesis and we read through and how did God know it was good? Well, he already had in his mind a vision. He had, he had a purpose uh, for what, what he was going to create. And, and when he was done, did it, did it, did it fulfill that purpose that was already in his mind? And that's why he saw it was good. And it'll be the same for you. So I said, look, uh, there are a lot of reasons that you're going to create art and, and, and it's kind of up to you and in some ways, whether that particular exercise, whether it was a one hour sketch or it took you a month to do a major work. Um, uh, and in the end, do you consider that successful or not? That's one way to decide if it was successful. Yeah, I was as successful that, that it sold for a, a good a dollar amount or won an award in a, in a, in a museum or a gallery show. Uh, did it, did it was your purpose to make people laugh or cry or feel something? And you could tell that people, when they look at it, that, that it achieved its purpose was compared to classical art or work in that genre that's been around for decades or hundreds of years. How does your art match up in terms of composition, you know, color edges, uh, you know, is, um, if you're trying to render something accurately, did you nail it? Or is a guy, you know, one guy have a, an arm that's eight inches too long, you know, or right, you're, trying yeah. paint, you're trying to paint a beautiful woman or a very attractive human being and, 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 and you didn't get there, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing, you know, as, as you criticize your own work. So there are all these things you have to evaluate your, your art in, uh, with. And, and um, you know, all I know is in the genre I'm in with, narrative painting i'm doing mostly native american these days but not really i'm working on a cow just starting a cowboy painting um you know i compare myself to, to my heroes in 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 uh, the history of western art um mm-hmm. you know, and i always try to compare myself to the very very best you know there's there's only really there's there's a lot of great painters but there's probably a dozen in my genre that are just like really great you know yeah. just like, yeah yeah wow you know and I'm always trying to hold myself up to them. And once in a while, I feel like I maybe touch on the edge of it. But but uh, it, it every painting I want to, to be the better than the last one. Mm-hmm. And and I you know I feel like I've really gotten better understanding my subject matter and, and in a lot of ways making better artistic decisions to make my work consistently better by a lot of study and a lot of hard work and by always looking at the very, very best guys and gals, you know, and how do they solve the same problems I'm, I'm dealing with when, when I'm trying to tell a story uh, of the old West through, through my work. So, um, uh, you know, there's probably not a lot of sense getting into technical stuff here, you know, uh, you know, the things we talk about with color and edges and, and value. And uh, I actually have to give a demo at the Briscoe museum at the end of, uh, end of, end of May here. And I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm doing a, uh, the subject in the morning. I'm going to uh, is um, I'll talk about narrative painting and why I make certain decisions to make the, the painting more effective uh, and more successful in that regard. In the afternoon, I'm doing a, um, a PowerPoint presentation on illustrations influence on Western art, which I've given before at the Legacy uh, a couple of years ago, at their 30th anniversary um, show. It's about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, and um, showing the connections starting from Russell and Remington all the way to today and how um, uh, illustrators and, and illustration background and great Western artists who have uh, who 
where illustrators morphed into uh, the Western art, which is what I've done, and how all that has influenced, you know, our, our Western uh, art of today. It's really pretty, I find it very interesting and really fascinating. So, so, um, so we touch on all these, these kinds of things, um, uh, looking at what's come before and how we've gotten here as, as, as Western artists. And we touch on what's good and what isn't, you know? Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, you know, I want to be there, Michael. That just sounds so good. Oh man. Yeah. Well, that just uh, sounds so good. Yeah. Well, uh, like it's, I've got to, after the trail ride, I've got to go down back down to the, all the cowboy artists of America are going back down to the Briscoe on the 26th of May, where there's a show opening called Sons of Charlie Russell. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And all of us who have ever been in CA have at least one, just one painting. The paintings aren't for sale. It's just a show. And uh, so a bunch of us guys, most of us will be there for that. And we'll have an event that that night. And that show, I think, will run all the way into the fall at the museum. And uh, so I... Um, they wanted CA guys to, uh, to uh, throughout the, the next four to five months, uh, come in and do a presentation or do a demo or something like that. So I volunteered and I got the first first Saturday. That's why oh, I'm, I'm there on that Saturday. So I'm sure uh, I don't know who else is doing the other uh, half a dozen presentations, but um, wow. uh, I'll find out, you know. So, yeah, well, if you want to travel all the way to San Antonio, it's, and... it's a, that's a haul from where you're at. But uh... it is. <laughs> no, that's really exciting. Hey, we're getting ready to kind of wrap it all up here, Michael. What yep. give us a, a kind of final word of encouragement for those that are listening? I um, I'll uh, I'll um, extend the comments you you and I both made. Is that whatever you do, um, as far as I'm concerned, do it under the Lord, but really put your heart into it. Uh, and in this business. I mean, that, that goes for everything, but specific to the Western art business and having a career as an artist, whatever your genre is, whatever your medium is, is, is what matters most is hard, a lot of hard work and dedication, you know, and just not yeah. giving up. Talent is highly overrated. Um, uh, first of all, I, I, you know, if you, if you have talent, it didn't come from you or you didn't do anything about it. You were born with it. You know, it's in your DNA. It's in, it's in your spirit. It's, it's, it's an anointing you had from God or it's in your whatever. With mm-hmm. the, I know where it comes from in my case, but, but, uh, I've known people a lot more talented than me that, that just could never get off the couch, you know, and, or ran into some discouraging, uh, situations or they felt they failed or, or they were overly criticized. Um, it's not, you know, that old saying, it's not when you get the fact you get knocked down, it's, it's how you stand back up. You know, it's that, yes. that thing. And it's so real in the art business, the cultural business, whether you're an actor or a sculptor or a singer, um, you're going to get knocked down and you're going to, you're going to hit pretty hard sometimes and you're going to get criticized and, um, and you got to stick to your guns and just work hard, you know, and don't give up. Um, I've got a, uh, I know painters who have, a lot of talent, but they get halfway through a painting and run into some problems and they just give up, you know, or they just, mm. oh, that's good enough, you know. And I've told them, we've talked about that very thing. And I said, even at all the work of 3,000 pieces of art I've done in my career so far, um, uh, there are still times when I, I hit a brick wall, you know, and, and I maybe set it aside for a day and I just get back at it and I, I just work my tail off to solve that problem, to push through. You know, I wipe out whole figures that I've spent, you know, two days painting 
And, um, but I, uh, I, you know, I said, it doesn't matter. I got to get it right. You know? Uh, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, so I think that I just encourage people to know, to know what you're getting into, you know, um, um, uh, if you want to be a casual artist and just have fun and use it to relax and be a Sunday painter, that's awesome. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I encourage everybody to do that because it's a great, rewarding, fun thing to do, you know. But if you're a person that wants to make a living at it or a career at it or really get serious to push your potential, know what you're up against and what you're in for. And it's it's not for the the meek of heart or the thin skinned, you know, Kurt. I, you know yeah. exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. And and uh, but there's a great reward in working really hard and pushing yourself beyond where you thought you were and achieving some success and getting better at, at your craft, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, uh, and, and, uh, but it doesn't come easy for, for really anybody. And, um, but I love that part of the journey, frankly, you know, I really, I, I, I love the challenge. Um, and I, I feel fortunate in that. I think I was raised with a, a work ethic that, 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 that prepared me for that. Um, yeah. A musician goes to that where they practice scales, let's say, for hours and hours and hours. Or they, you know, you just, you, 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 you know, it's the same kind of thing. You just, um, it, it takes a lot of work, you know, and, yeah. and, and I love to work, you know. Yeah, yeah. and you that's know? a and big deal. That's a bi- very big deal, very big deal, you know. And almost everybody you meet in in this industry or the art world, with exceptions, of course, but the majority of people um uh, it, it, they are disciplined in that aspect of their life and, and they're challenged and they love the work and they just push, push themselves and push themselves to create great art and, to, and to, uh, fulfill the purpose for what, uh, what, what's in their mind and what their vision is to achieve it. Um, so I just encourage people, um, in that regard. And, um, one other last thing I'll say is don't be afraid to call up a hero and ask questions. I'm oh, opening I myself that. up here. This is pretty scary, but I'm just going to say it because I did on a few occasions, and I and and I, I and uh, I would have regretted it forever. But um, I contacted year many many years ago, and I was never well. I was sort of afraid to do it, but I did it anyway. And I pushed myself out there to go meet meet a hero of mine or somebody who I thought, wow, oh, uh, they were so inspiring, and I would love to meet them. And uh, and every single time I ever did that, I was. Well, almost every time I was greeted with kind words uh, and, and encouraging words and um, in some cases ended up being a lifelong friend, you know. Wow. So so oh, I, uh, um, I, I just encourage encourage people, especially in the Western art business. Everybody is so darn nice and kind, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, you can't go wrong. So, man, I love that, Michael. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's so true. That you're dead on the money there. Now, yeah. how can oh, folks... some, somebody's calling me right now, Kurt. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> how can people keep in touch with you, Michael? The email really is the best. Um, I don't always get to it like that very day because we get we're busy and we get tons of stuff. But I sure. almost always try to get back to people. Okay. Sometimes they get lost in the shuffle. Uh, and six months later, I say, "Whoops," you know. Uh, but. No, I always try to get back, and that's the best way because it's a record, and I won't delete it. You know, I'll I'll, I'll look at, at it and get back to people when I when I can, and sometimes okay. that leads to a phone call. You know, now, what's your website address? It's cmdudash dot com. So cmdudash dot com. Dot com. Super. Well, 
I'll tell you, Michael, you have given us so much. I, I so thank you so much for spending all of this time with us, for sharing so much. Uh, you're, you've been so candid, so forthcoming. Yeah. I just cannot thank you enough for, oh, Kurt. Well, for being on the pleasure. show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm happy to do it, and hopefully the Lord will use it to uh, uh, put some light into somebody's day. You know, that's all I can, all I can hope for. So, uh, hey, we'll have to do it again sometime, and I will see you on the trail. No doubt about it. No doubt about that. <laughs> That's for sure. And listeners, I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Now, if this podcast has encouraged you, be sure and share it with somebody else. And if it really, if you really have the time, write a review. That'll help the uh, the podcast get seen by more people. Now, you can keep in touch with me on Instagram or on Gab at The Creator's Calling. The music on the podcast is by Chris Madsen Worship, and you can keep in touch with him on Instagram or on YouTube at Chris Madsen Worship. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. And please, join me next time as together we follow Jesus and listen for The Creator's Calling. Bye for now. <laughs>